Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast, hosted by Brian Castle. Brian has been a financial advisor for over 35 years and is the founder of Four Star Wealth in Chicago. He will be sharing the most important investment opportunities out there in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from. Brian will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting investment opportunities. To see all the best video highlights from every episode, please follow at Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, on to the episode. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Today's Market Explained. It's a four-star media event, and we are here for a market commentary discussion. I'm Brian Castle. I'm your host. And I have uh, here my co-host, Mr. Christopher Reardon. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Uh, good afternoon to everyone out there and uh, glad to be on the podcast and I'll talk a little bit about the market. Excellent. Well, Chris is our Director of Development for Four Star. I call him the master of all things portfolio, reports, everything. Uh, he still loves his Cleveland Indians and uh, caretaker to his new golden doodle puppy, Hudson, who's probably not too new anymore. Hudson's getting old. Uh, anyway, um, and a couple new Reardons, three to be exact. So again, Chris, uh, he's uh, he's our co-host and welcome. Uh, and also, um, uh, we have a guest who's going to join us in a little bit, Jack Walsh, Trader Jack. He's father of three, sports car enthusiast, experienced trader in the interest rate futures in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. In the last 15 years, he's been working as a senior financial advisor, working with the largest practice at Four Star. Jack Walsh, welcome. To today's market explained podcast thanks brian glad to be here and these are very very interesting times for interest rates that's for sure they sure are uh no doubt welcome jack and i'm again i'm brian castle your founder ceo of four star eagle scout national boy scout foundation trustee uh philanthropic advisor advisor to ceos and i'm chief dad to quinn and evan and chief husband to the amazing tripty uh so that's the lineup for today jack chris and brian uh, and of course, everybody, if you remember, um, helping us with getting, giving us a five out of five ranking would really help. Uh, we're getting a lot of acceptance of our show and we'd love to have more and more people see it and the more better rankings we get, the better it is. So uh, we'll do our talk about the markets. We'll talk about the economy and in general, what we see out there and give everybody a general update. So Chris Reardon, you uh, have the, uh, you know, the ups and the downs of all the different asset classes. So I understand there's been some big changes in the last couple of weeks, and certainly in the last week, we taped about, what, three weeks ago. So Chris, give us an update on where we stand now with the market. Yep. Uh, so yeah, definitely some big changes. We had about a stalemate for probably a couple months uh, where things weren't moving too much. There was kind of a slow moving uh, market from the asset allocation perspective. And now we finally have seen uh, an asset class for the most part, take control. Uh, so we have a new number one asset class and that is domestic equities. So it moved up from the third position to the number one position and it gained 36 points from the last podcast uh, to um, tally 277 tally points. Um, so that moved into that number one position, uh, still holding at number two with international equities and it gained five points from the last podcast and it's at 248. Uh, so we are seeing a bit of a divergence there, a little bit of uh, a lengthening between the number one and two asset classes. And then in the third position, uh, the former number one uh, commodities, 
has now moved all the way to number three. And it's minus 22 uh, from the last podcast at 224. So a uh, big change is kind of a big shakeup in uh, the, the first three asset classes. Uh, cash is still holding in that number four position at uh, 157 tally points, and that's minus 11 uh, from the last podcast. Currencies is in fifth, minus seven at 99 from the last podcast. And then fixed income is plus one from the last podcast at 82 in last place. So um, the big changes really occurred in the in the top four, uh, even counting cash, which was minus 11, the top four asset classes. Uh, but, you know, I think it's good to see that we do have domestic equities uh, taking uh, kind of control, uh, taking that leadership position and really starting to actually uh, distance itself uh, from the other uh, asset classes. Uh, and international equities continues to do well. Um, it's gained five points. It's just not moving at the speed that we're seeing domestic equities move in that upward direction. Nice. So, Chris, this is quite a change. I mean, uh, commodities were in number one position last time we met. So they're now in the number three. And then for domestic equities to move up 36 tally points and be way, way far ahead of number two, that's a major change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and th these are definitely major changes. And, you know, I think some of this is due to, um, you know, some of the recent uh, posturing by the Federal Reserve and the anticipation of potential uh, rate um, uh, lowering of interest rates, things like that coming next year. So that's what's causing the, not only the boost to domestic equities, but I think it's also causing uh, potential commodities to pull back. Uh, we've certainly seen oil uh, and other commodities that have driv drove commodities up uh, have certainly helped pull it pull it down now uh, in the last week or two. And we had like a bad month in oil after oil being very strong. And then this past week was strong again. So we'll see if that uh, is the bottoming uh, and oil prices start moving back up again. There's a lot of reasons why oil might want to move back up again. Uh, but we'll we'll see. Time will tell. Last week was the first reversal week from a big, de big decline. So we'll see. Um, the yep. The other thing, Chris, is the domestic equities, U.S. stocks moving up to new highs now that um, or, or to high tally score number one and then new highs in the absolute indexes. So that's a sign that, um, you know, the economy could perhaps be done with this recession or whatever its slowdown is. Uh, it's a sign that, that the market is signaling things are going to get better. Um, but who knows whether that's true or not? Yeah, I mean, I think that right now there's a certain, I want to say euphoria, I guess, in, in the markets. There's this this hope that the, the Federal Reserve is going to cut rates sooner rather than later, and that's going to drive the markets higher. Uh, but I think also a lot of the earnings uh, in Q4 has been better than expected. Um, I think what we're starting to see, at least maybe an inkling one, is that maybe Q1 earnings potentially are weaker. I did see a, a, a Accenture, uh, which is obviously a very large uh, consulting and, and company. Uh, they said that their estimates uh, are coming in weaker uh, and what they're projecting in Q1. So um, maybe we're just getting lagged a little bit towards the kind of the last little hurrah, um, but only time will tell. We don't know. I think a lot of people anticipated the markets to be pulling back more now than, than it has it seemed very resilient. Uh, so no one really truly knows. The market may be ahead of itself, but, uh, you know, uh, Chris, you know, Jack is here with us and Jack was our interest rate observer, uh, worked in the 25 years on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. 
Jack, tell tell us what you see. What what did Powell do, and what what is really happening in this bond market right now? Yeah, well, I think we want to start with the um, backdrop, right? So, um, you know, we saw rates go from basically zero to five and a quarter, five and a half. And um, what were the circumstances with that, right? You've had banks that have treasuries in their asset portfolio, right? And they had loans out as far as mortgages and such go. And as the Fed started to raise rates, it caused problems in the banking systems. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank, right? We had a lot of regional banks get um, hit. And, you know, why is that? It's because their portfolio of treasuries was getting crushed, right? So much to where the Fed put in a facility where uh, banks could borrow money from the Fed, transfer securities to the Fed, and borrow money short term. And um, the other thing that was in the backdrop, remember when the Fed increased um, the supply of treasuries because we have such large deficits, right? You had auctions that were so-called very sloppy, meaning that there was as, was not as much foreign participation. You also had the dealer community that had to take a, a larger percentage. And then, and then Brian, lo and behold, we had that one very good inflation number. Remember that? And that right. started the bond rally, right? 10-year notes were at 5%, and that started the uh, bond rally. Uh, anybody who's in the business of trading and buying securities, they want their financing rates, the money that they borrow to purchase those securities to fall. So when the Fed had its meeting and there was a question asked to Powell about the potential on future rates, and he basically said that the Fed would consider lowering rates, that was kind of the green light to go in and buy, buy uh, treasuries. So that's what happened um, last week. Um, it was on uh, Wednesday, and we had a massive rally in the, in the bond market. We also had a so-called risk-on trade. When the Fed is thinking about lowering interest rates, the dollar falls, and it's time to get back in the pool, right? And what's, what's, what's interesting about that is you and I saw a massive money coming out of the banks and into um, institutional money markets, right? And uh, that flow, I believe, got to close to $2 trillion sitting in uh, ins institutional money markets. Um, I don't think you and I, in, in, in our 35, 40 years, had ever seen that before, maybe in the, maybe in the 70s. Um, so anyways, um, the Fed, I believe, saw the damage that was happening to the financial system, happened to the banks. They want to stop that flow out of the banking system into money markets, right? So some of that money going into stocks and bonds is moving back out of money markets. But I still think that those rates are still relatively high. I mean, people in 2022 that were earning, you know, 475, five, five and a quarter, really considering the backdrop, that was not a that was not a bad deal, right? So so right now I'll tell you that the market is now starting to factor in at least three cuts. Uh, there's 65% chance that they could go in um, March. Um, but what, what, what that has done, if you look at the financial stocks, look at a big stock like Morgan Stanley. Just weeks ago, it was trading at $69. Now it's up to 91. Um, 
you know, some of the some of the regional banks and, and the bank indexes have rallied 15, 20, 25 percent. So um, something that was very painful for the banks, the Fed has stepped in and at least short term thrown them a um, lifeline. I'll stop right. there. Yeah. So so we've seen that here at Four Star as well, where many investors were in bonds. Bonds are doing well. Rates are low. They had losses in their bonds, and they just said, well, I'm going to get into a money market fund at 5%. Mm-hmm. You know, so here I can use the tax loss against other gains. And they got out mm-hmm. of the bond because the bonds weren't paying much. And, and uh, so we've seen that here. And, you know, now uh, there is, you know, so they're, they're giving some happy talk right now about lowering rates. And, you know, that's also a signal that, that you know, they're, they're expecting the economy not to be as bad as, as it was. Um, you know, plus inflation has come down. But Jack, it's possible though that inflation goes back up, right? Like what if oil prices go back up and other things that predicated this move? So it's not really assured that the Fed is going to do this, even though the market's betting on rates going down in March, maybe they don't, right? Still possible. Yeah. Yes. And it's and it's um very interesting that you say that because just a day or two after the meeting. Fed governors are coming out and pushing back and saying that, no, we're not talking about cutting rates. Because what happens, Brian, is that when the market feels that there's a shift in interest rates, then currency traders go in and start to sell the dollar. As the dollar falls, prices of commodities start to rise, right? Commodities for us are priced in dollars. As the dollar falls, commodities rise. So exactly what you're saying, um, what the Fed did short term is definitely help the banks and the financial uh, markets, but longer term, it could be very detrimental for inflation. And that's why even though the 10-year note went from 5% to 390, you don't see a huge appetite now at 390. You know why? Because inflation is still at 3%. Um, Right. And we know that the Fed's goal is to get it back down to 2%. So um, the market believes that the Fed is trying to so called stick this soft landing. So very interesting. And, you know, we did see this very strange interest rate spike to try to kill inflation over the last year. Um, and anybody who was around in the 1970s remembers that as well. It got significantly higher, but it started from a higher level. Um, and, and then the fall of last year, around this time, we saw some currencies that went aflutter, uh, the, the uh, Japanese currency, um, you know, the Switzerland had some trouble with Fred Suisse and other things. So, so there were some messy things going on last fall because of interest rates spiking so quickly. And then, of course, in the spring that we had all those banks go down, Silicon mm-hmm. Valley being the biggest and a couple others. So um, what hasn't happened yet, though, that did happen in the 70s and early 80s, were um, literally dozens and dozens, uh, over a couple of hundred banks went down um, Mm -hmm. through interest rates and due to the mismatch of of rates inside the bank. In fact, they got so bad, they had to come up with Resolution Trust Corp. Any of the old timers might remember that under the Reagan administration to actually bail out all these savings loans. And they decided to end the savings loan industry. No one's heard of a savings loan in, in 40 years. Um, and now everything became an FDIC insured bank. So it got really, really bad. So maybe by Powell making this move, this 
happy talk move about rates uh, possibly going down, he saved that from happening possibly, right? Uh, and the, uh, the other big negative side effect, Brian, is you know real clients, in, in institutions are now questioning whether the Fed is becoming political, right? Always it was hands, hands off the Fed. Um, now we've got a election in 2024 and it looks like they are becoming very political, which for a central bank is just awful, right? They're not good. Yeah, they got to do the right thing and not worry about the politics of it. Exactly. Well, great. Well, Jack, that was a great, great explanation. Um, we'll see what happens. But right now, the bond market and all the players in the bond market by the bets and moves they've made are predicting a high probability of an interest rate decline in March and then two more later in the year, right? Yeah, I think the question will be, Brian, it, exactly what you were saying earlier. I think the Fed is going to lower rates, but it's going to be what happens to inflation expectations as they start that start that move. When the Fed lowers interest rates, you know, everybody jumps in to what they call the front end of the curve into the two-year note. But what happens with that is it changes inflation expectations and then long end rates start to fall. They talk about curve steepening, meaning everybody jumps into the front end and long-term rates stay where they're at and they start to rise, right? Mm -hmm. So, so um, uh, I believe that the Fed will do it for the, uh, for the financial system, but it'll be very uh, important to watch inflation expectations, which is ex exactly what you were saying before. Yes. So, so let's hope inflation doesn't reaccelerate. If it does, then this all changes. But uh, right now, that's what we're seeing, right? Exactly. Okay. Well, great. Well, thanks, Jack. Thanks for joining us. I know Chris and I are going to move on to talk more about the general what's going on in the economy right now. But thanks for joining us, Jack, on the Today's Market Explained. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. So, Chris, um, you've got some numbers on inflation and consumer spending, PPI. Why don't we go through all that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you have some important numbers dropped since our last podcast. Uh, the first, the producer's price index came out. It rose 0.9% in November, which was underestimates. And I know we've talked about this on here, but the producer's price index is a good uh, early sign as far as what the consumer price index will be. The, if the producers uh, is paying more, usually he ends up uh, you know, putting that on to the end consumer. So uh, that's a you know, good sign that it was less than um, the estimate. Um, so we'll have to see if that continues, if that plays out. And then the Commerce Department reported its overall index of consumer prices. So this is what they kind of calculate. Was flat in October from September, held steady at 3% uh, year over year. So um, good movement there. That's positive, um, you know, inflation numbers. And that's the smallest year over year gain since March 2021. So that was when we kind of first started to see uh, potential inklings of inflation. We were still kind of in the pandemic. We had supply chain issues, things like that going on. So. Right. right now, the numbers we're seeing from an inflationary standpoint have been good, um, and that's what's driven kind of what, what Jack was talking about um, and, you know, has propelled this uh, three-rate cut, you know, anticipation for next year. Um, core prices rose 0.2% uh, in October from September, uh, coming in at 3.5% year-over-year, uh, and that's the smallest gain since April 2021. So, um, once again, another good 
good um, reading there. Consumer spending rose 0.2% in October. That's down from 0.7%, um, a 0.7% rise in September. That could be the first sign. Uh, so it's still positive, which is good, but it, that deceleration from a 0.7% to a 0.2% uh, is pretty significant. It could be the first sign of the consumer starting to reel in their spending. Um, that was the first month as well that we had um, we had the student loans start to kick in or the anticipation of it was in October. Uh, so we'll see the impact that these potentially have on uh, the overall market. Mm -hmm. Then um, moving on, we had the inventories of merchant wholesalers came out. They were 0.4% lower uh, at the end of October than September. So overall inventories, which, which can have an impact on inflation, obviously we saw during the pandemic lower inventories and that lead to higher prices. Uh, but they have remained, I think, stable, uh, which is positive. Uh, durable goods prices have fallen um, year over year in the last five months. In October, they were down 2.6% from their peak uh, in September of 2022. Um, so durable goods um, include and the major drivers were appliances, furniture, used cars, kind of goods that you expect to last over a year. Um, so that's good to see. The prices of home rentals, car insurance um, continue to climb, uh, but they are showing signs of slowing. Uh, they were up 4.4% in October from year from the year earlier, um, but that was down from the 4.7% reading in September. So home rentals, car insurance, which is, you know, I think we've talked about that. That's the housing situation, um, especially in the rentals market, uh, continues to be a problem. It looks like it's starting to ease somewhat, which is good. Uh, and then we got a jobs number. Employers added 199,000 jobs in November. Uh, that was a slower rate than you know early 2023. And even over the summer, we were seeing very good jobs numbers. But um, this could be kind of a return to normalization. Um, this was a, a good jobs number when pre-pandemic, before we had you know this this major distortion with layoffs, and then you know you had the people swarming back to the market and and a really tight job market. So. Um, hopefully we're seeing kind of a renormalization there uh, as we continue to kind of um, exit the you know post pandemic and kind of kind of go back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. And then in the housing market, uh, a couple different numbers were released. The S and S and P Core Logic Case Shiller uh, National Home Price Index rose 3.9 percent from a year earlier in September. That's year over year. Uh, that was an acceleration of uh, the August year-over-year -year number, which was 2.5%. So uh, we see that the home prices continue to rise. We had a little bit of a reprieve kind of towards the end of the summer, uh, but we're starting to see those rise again. The September reading was actually the highest um, level of the index since it began in 1987. So um, we're at, you know, really historic prices, if you will, for home prices, uh, which is the supply and demand um, continues to be a major issue in that market. And then existing home sales decreased 4.1% in October uh, from September um, to a seasonally adjusted 3.79 million. And that's the lowest existing home price sales or existing home sales uh, since um, August, 2010. So, you know, it's been over 13 years since we've been at that. Uh, October sales were down 14.6% from a year earlier. So the housing market, we still haven't really seen. Um, it hasn't relented, if you will. So we're seeing housing prices continue to creep up. 
They've stabilized a little, but they are starting to inch back up uh, due to supply and demand issues. Um, we're seeing that existing home sales, which is for you know supply really a good gauge of the supply, uh, continues to be weak uh, and at all time lows almost. Um, people willing to sell their house. So uh, you know it'll be really interesting if we see rates start to come back down. Uh, that could obviously uh, unwind a little bit of the housing market. You know, if rates go back down sub five, uh, maybe into the threes and fours. Uh, we could see some uh, homeowners actually consider um, selling their house and moving again, and that would free up a lot of supply in the market. So uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see, though, and, and see how that impacts. Uh, and then on the international front, a couple highlights I'll point out. Uh, India continues to be a major outperformer on uh, the countries with major economy or major economic countries. Uh, their GDP at the end of September was 7.6%. Uh, that was only slightly lower than their Q2 uh, GDP of 7.8%. Uh, so, you know, India continues to be a major, major player uh, in the global economy. Their biggest GDP contributors were manufacturing and construction. And I think a lot of that they're gaining off of, uh, you know, China and some of the friction that the U.S. and, and other countries have been having with China. Uh, and also, you know, when we had the pandemic, Obviously, we saw tightening, we saw restrictions in China, and that caused supply chain issues. So I think we're seeing a, um, people are trying to spread out their manufacturing processes and, and, and try to you know incorporate different countries so we don't run into those bottlenecks anymore. And then the last thing I'll highlight um, is oil prices. We talked about, about a little bit. Uh, so last week, they hit an all-time uh, six-month low, about $73 a barrel. Uh, Brent crude is that. Uh, so we have seen a little bit of a bounce here. And it's really interesting because the low is off of essentially they're keeping the supply the same, uh, but the the prices have come back due to um, demand. So they they the anticipation that demand is going to be weaker than expected. Uh, essentially, you know they're anticipating a potential recession, maybe not as bad in the U.S. but in the global markets that that is going to weaken demand. And it'll be interesting because if the Fed sticks the landing if we see rates kind of lower again, uh, and we see um, demand stay the same, if not strengthen, uh, we could see, as Brian said in the beginning, we could see oil uh, move right back up, which could cause inflation again. So um, it's interesting. We have seen it kind of come off that bottom in the past week, um, that six-month low, but uh, we'll see how the, that kind of uh, plays out in the, the next month or two. Exactly. Well, and also in addition to India, uh, Singapore is having a good run as an economy. So, so some of the other countries, uh, not China, um, are doing uh, much better. Where people are fearful of China, but they're moving to India, they're moving to Singapore, other countries that can do business without all the political tension. Right? Yeah, that's very true. I know Vietnam. I think is another one. Uh, other countries, kind of in that region, um, right. have have benefited from that. Right. Well, and then President Xi, you know, was trying to get back to business. He did have a meeting in San Francisco, uh, the Chinese president with uh, with our president, and then of course with the governor of California. And we think that was an attempt to get back to business. Uh, they went too far with uh, with all their uh, their kind of political stuff, and so people are a little scared of China. So there's been a move out of China into other into other countries, and that's still continuing. So I don't see even that visit to California really changed much, but. Uh, we'll see how things play out there. Um, if you create political instability, business people don't want to be there. 
And that's what they created because they were using their power as a country to control people, control businesses. Like they owned all the businesses and they wouldn't give you the autonomy that you wanted during your business. So business people need that. <clears throat> so we'll see what, what, uh, what plays out there. Um, so we have a strong job market, um, you know, and, and, you know, now the Fed's lowering, uh, lowering rates. So we'll see, or they're talking of lowering rates. We'll see what, what happens. Um, you know, that jobs number that you mentioned, though, uh, the components of that job market were mostly government or healthcare or education. Um, most of all job growth was down in other categories, though, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, we are seeing, um, I guess, a slowing of the job market in the private sector. Uh, public sector has picked up some of that slack, which has been re re represented. Um, you know, in that aggregate number, but uh, private sector, we definitely have seen, and even people have heard on the news about some layoffs or anticipated layoffs uh, through some major companies. Yeah. So, um, so uh, we'll see how the jobs continue. Um, so, but with that component of jobs, that's not a, as positive a report as people would have thought. And then, of course, the government borrowed $2 trillion again last year. And yes, we're in a little bit of wartime, certainly with the Israeli war now, but that was last year, but that was this year, not last year, um, in the fiscal year, that is, the fiscal year ending October 31. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, the Ukraine war, but, you know, I mean, that's significantly more than we used uh, for that war. So we're still borrowing massive amounts of money during, you know, a time when we don't really need to running huge deficits. So that's not a positive thing. It could be an existential issue for America. Uh, so we need to watch that very closely. Consumers are, are still spending, but they're adding debt, Chris, as you might've mentioned. Uh, the income numbers are not keeping pace, uh, but they're adding in uh, about, one, they're up to about $1.1 trillion worth of consumer debt, which is now an all-time record level. So it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, the consumer spending will slow down uh, if, uh, at some point when the credit cards are all tapped out and people can't, um, you know, spend money that they don't have because they're not getting the same wage increases. Uh, so um, we'll see if that does anything to slow down the economy. Um, and then, Chris, uh, there was some discussions about Ford and their recall and then a 50% whiskey tax, right? Yeah, and it was uh, actually Tesla that had to recall um Tesla recalled more than 2 million uh, vehicles um, over concerns of its autopilot system and it, the misuse, potential misuse by drivers. So that was a big, obviously a big hit. Um, you know, I know Tesla likes to push the boundaries as far as what a car can do, the autopilot, and, and a lot of those, um, and they're, they're heavy in that space. So it'll be interesting. I, I know the government, some of the government regulatory Authorities have been keeping a close eye on it. it makes sense. Obviously, you don't want uh, cars driving themselves that you know can't handle um, traffic patterns, things like that. So it'll be interesting how it plays it plays out. I know a lot of other uh, large car companies are in the same field, so this could set a precedent moving forward. So it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and then um, one of the collateral damage, if you will, of, of some of the fights going back and forth from the trade side between the EU and the um, U.S. has been whiskey. So uh, potentially starting in 2024, uh, whiskey makers in the U.S. shipping their bottles to 
the European Union could potentially face a uh, 50% tax on that whiskey. Um, this comes after the threatening this tariff, I guess, on top of uh, as retaliation for the U.S. tariffs on EU steel and aluminum. So that, that you know, we're still seeing it. You don't hear about it as much. We go back two or three years ago. I uh, just saw a little bit more of this kind of tariff news as far as, um, you know, the steel, aluminum, other, other products. Uh, but it's really interesting that, you know, they, they targeted so, or they're potentially going to target such a, a small industry in the U.S. And it could have implications, um, especially for whiskey makers here, which might not have the biggest margin. So um, could be something that, that plays out where, you know, they're not going to be shipping abroad as much. Exactly. And Ford is slowing down in, in electric vehicles now. So even with all the subsidies and all the political talk about uh, wanting to get rid of fossil fuels, fossil fuels are probably not going away anytime soon. Uh, and even the car manufacturers that even are heavily subsidized by the government to create electric vehicles, even they're slowing down now on building electric vehicles. They still have battery issues. Um, <clears throat> it's not quite what everyone wanted and certainly not the robust nature of fossil fuel cars. So uh, we've seen we've seen that happen also. So the whiskey tax is an interesting development. Um, Chris, the Hollywood uh, writer strike, second longest writer strike in history, uh, it it it, uh, it did finally end. Uh, but we're seeing now that 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 strike changed uh, the market a little bit. So over time, they've been issuing less scripts. Uh, in independent studios are now issuing those scripts. So it's changing the way things are happening within the industry because of the settlement they came up with. So uh, there's a lot of changes coming and brewing in Hollywood. Um, we talked about the consumers adding so much debt. Um, I'll also mention about Hollywood that there's now a, a whole group of, of uh, Hollywood stars that say they're leaving if uh, President Trump gets elected. And right now the polls show that he is in many, uh, in many areas way ahead of the President Biden as his poll numbers get worse and worse. And so that can certainly affect the economy also. Um, one quick one, uh, McDonald's uh, is opening some new location called Cosmics and they're kind of new and hip and different. And they have one in Chicago and nine in Texas. They're, they're targeting Starbucks. And so they're gonna have uh, coffee and afternoon pickups. So they're directly competing with Starbucks. And I thought that was interesting. So maybe, Maybe things will change there. I know <clears throat> the, the price of a Starbucks coffee or iced tea has gone up dramatically in the last couple of years. So maybe that competition will bring some of those prices back down. We'll see where that goes, Chris. Um, and there's a um, backlash going on with DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, where now most folks realize that that was very much of a political thing. And so like Disney, for example, Disney has not really had a really positive um, first run release movie in a number of years now. Um, they used to release and have huge, huge success, uh, top issues and record numbers when they had movies coming out. Now they, the, the public has realized that they're very political and the diversity, equity, and inclusion program is not as more political than it is you know, entertainment. So we used to go to Disney for entertainment um, and now, now it's politics. So it's cost Disney in, in, and a level of billions and billions of dollars uh, by unsuccessful uh, movies. So uh, we'll see if that makes them change their stripes a little bit. Um, so just more into what we see out there, the last one I wanted to highlight was 
Uh, there's a new company in Chicago that is issuing hot tub boat rides. So when you're hopping the boat, um, you're in actually a hot tub cruising down the river. It's quite interesting. So even though it's hot, even though it's cold out now in Chicago, people are riding in hot tubs in in the Chicago River. So you have an interesting trend. That's a we'll probably see that around the country. But uh, we thought that was interesting. We wanted to point that out. So um, Chris, there's a couple blog posts out there. There's one a couple weeks back, and it's about to regulate or not regulate. That's the question for big tech. And so we've seen now also a lot of political trends in the technology world where many of the political many of the people in the technology world are of one ideology and they're using their power and technology to get their politics a, a, a across and uh, a lot of there now there's a big backlash and there's talk talk of regulating the technology industry to keep them from pushing their political agendas through technology so there's a big big war going on in congress for that um so we'll see how that plays out and so that's the latest blog post um, there's numerous podcast interviews as well. Uh, we can see all those at the Today's Market Explained. Uh, we've done an interview with Scott Clark, who is the head of True Life Companies, which is a land development company. And so there's some interesting interviews out there. So everybody look at uh, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and you'll see the Today's Market Explained, and you'll see those uh, those interviews. You look at our website and today on the um, Leadership Matrix, and you'll see those blog posts as well. So I think that's all we have for today, Chris. Yeah, I think that wraps it up. Okay. Well, great. Well, thanks for everybody being with us again. Uh, we'll be back with another another interview very soon. And uh, that's uh, uh, it for our episode today and today's Market Explained. We'll be back soon. Thanks for being with us today, everybody. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way you can support us is to leave a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you heard something here that someone else you know will find value from, please share the episode directly with them. Want us to answer your investing question directly on the next episode? Go to todaysmarketexplained.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and submit your question. Please follow at Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to see the best moment video clips from every episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep on growing out there, everyone.